the thing is they didn't even network to me they didn't the only way i came across them was i was on the opposite side of a transaction and they did such a phenomenal job that i was like you you're one of my humans we will work together till the end of my career or until you don't service them at that high level anymore i have an inspection company like that i have sewer line people like that i have contractors i have everybody at every single stage is doing 12 out of 10 work just like i am and at the end of the day the only hog that wasn't working in that machine was the lending side so right now every Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I have Kaheya Seitz on the call. She is from Hawaii, lived in Denver, now goes back and forth. So not only does she have two locations she's juggling, she also does two things. She's an agent and a lender. Well, actually three things and an investor. So we'll get into all those today. But Kahea, I want you to take us into right away, what are some of the benefits of being both a lender and an agent? And a lot of people ask me, is that even legal? Great question, Matt. It is absolutely legal. Um, FHA didn't allow it up until relatively recently, but they realized that having somebody who knew what somebody wanted to buy and what they could qualify for actually just helped the client more. So it is absolutely legal. And the benefits are that when we go house hunting, I know exactly what you can afford. I know exactly what you can qualify for. I'm not showing you a $750,000 house when you can only afford a $500,000 house. So when you have two people that are supposed to be in your corner, your lender and your agent, and they're the same person, it means that the entire process is streamlined. So all of my clients are like, whoa, that's so much easier because you only have to go to one person and one place for absolutely everything on your home buying process. And on the investment side, I know exactly what your ROI is because I myself am also investing. So honestly, it's just an asset for clients on both sides. And I'm able to, since I'm making money on both sides, I actually help my clients out by giving them part of my commission back to them. So it's a win-win-win all around for clients. Yeah, so you're bringing agent experience, lending experience, investing experience. The common thought is if you're doing all three, you can't be good at all three of them. What do you say to that? I would say the more hours you spend doing something, the better you get at it. And this is all I eat, breathe, sleep. I don't have kids. This is not a part-time gig for me. So I've already hit that 10,000 hours on all three fronts. So at the end of the day, when you're passionate about something and you keep educating yourself about something, and you genuinely care about other humans and doing right by them, then you're doing the right thing and you're doing it very well, which obviously I'm on this. So I'm clearly making six figures. So I'm doing something right. Yes. Now, a lot of people say you should specialize. It's like, so like you're not only not specializing in just real estate. I mean, you're branching into three branches. So like a lot of people say you should be an agent, then you should specialize into a very subset, small subset of agency. How has not specializing impacted your business? It's honestly helped because I had a client who was a first time home buyer. He was like, oh, I don't really know what I want. And I was like, great. Let me show you a townhome. Let me show you a condo. Let me show you a single family. Let me show you this area, that area. I was an expert on these things. And then he was like, oh, this is perfect. This feels like home. Two years later, he was like, I'm done with the hustle and bustle of the city. And I was like, great. I also do Colorado Springs. And he was like, oh my goodness, that's wonderful. I didn't even know you were licensed down there from Denver. And it was the neighborhood my college was in. I was like, there's my uncle's house. We showed a house literally across the street from him. 
you said, hey, so when you're an expert in more than one thing, you're able to help your clients out. And on the other side of that coin, I had a client who wanted to buy a house in the mountains. And I was like, I don't know about those systems. I don't know about uh, what the school districts are and what this and that is. I was like, I'm going to refer you to an expert of that exact area. So I stay in my lane of what I am actually an expert on, but it's quite a lot when you eat, breathe, sleep this. So I think the asset is that when they're going to different places or asking for different things, I know about the programs. I know about the locations. And when I don't, I don't pretend I do. And I send them to somebody who does. So I know what I know very well. And I stay within that lane, even if it's three of them. <laughs> right. So, that, well, that's great. I mean, so obviously because you're doing three, three things doesn't mean that you would do 30, right? It's just like, hey, these are the three things that you specialize in. What, what has compelled you to put 10,000 hours in three things instead of 30,000 hours into one thing? I think it was that my clients weren't being serviced appropriately. Like they were, their needs weren't being met. And at the end of the day, when I see a need, I go and meet it. And so what ended up kind of getting me into lending in the first place was I was doing real estate and I was rocking it, getting diamond awards, this, getting awards, that. And anyone that I refer for my clients, I'm like, you need to be up here because that's how I operate my business. And the lenders weren't up there. I, they were dropping the ball. They were like, I would have clients forwarding me emails of a client saying like, Hey, I already submitted that. And you can see on the email chain, they submitted it like three different times. And the lender was still like, Nope, I need this. Like it was just, they weren't doing right by my clients. And I work with a lot of first time home buyers. I work with a lot of people who are the first people in their families to own a home. And that's just not fair to them to have an experience where they're looking at closing. There's no closing documents. They don't know how much their uh, exact dollar amount is supposed to be. And they're like crying. And that was frustrating for me. And I was like, I can do, I can do better than that. And they deserve better than that. And then a few years later, here we are. And it's the case. So I think at the end of the day, it was, they weren't doing right by my clients. They weren't at this level. And I didn't want to keep trying out new lenders on my first time home buyers. And so I became the lender and now it's all streamlined and they have an excellent experience from start to finish. So I'm doing right by my clients. So that being said, your evolution was not a monetary evolution. It was a I'm going to service this person and I'm going to make sure everything's taken care of. And if there's not great professionals out there, I'll take care of it. That being said, is there any other areas that are not being served at a high level that you're going to step up and take care of soon? No, thank you, sir. I definitely feel like what I have on my plate is perfect from start to finish. My clients are getting 10 out of 10. I have a phenomenal title company that I work with. And the thing is, they didn't even network to me. They didn't. The only way I came across them was I was on the opposite side of a transaction and they did such a phenomenal job that I was like, you, you're one of my humans. We will work together till the end of my career or until you don't service them at that high level anymore. I have an inspection company like that. I have sewer line people like that. I have contractors. I have everybody at every single stage is doing 12 out of 10 work, just like I am. And at the end of the day, the only cog that wasn't working in that machine was the lending side. Yeah. So right now, everybody else is doing 12 out of 10 and including my title company, including the inspection companies. So there's nothing else I would like to go into right now. This is really my passion. This is my drive. 
And to be fair, it wasn't, it was like 90% because my clients weren't uh, being appropriately treated well in the largest purchase of their life. Like 10% of it was, hey, interest rates are going up. That means that at the end of the day, the uh, there's going to be less real estate happening. I need to protect my assets, my investment properties, my own mortgage payments. So at the end of the day, I also needed to recession proof my career. And this was an asset that, or this was an avenue that I knew that I could get the classes, I could get the experience, and then I could kind of recession proof my career as well. So I don't want to pretend like there wasn't a money piece. There absolutely was. It was just the best things in life you love and they make you money. So true. Well, I mean, obviously it's fair to be paid for your services, right? And um, there's a guy that I had on the podcast a couple months ago and he said there's like four circles. There's what you love, there's what you're good at, there's what people will pay you for and there's what people need. And the more of those circles that overlap, like exactly to your point. So then there's investing. And I'm assuming investing is more for you, although you probably help investor clients. What was the journey like to make the decision to go into investing? It actually happened kind of accidentally at first. Um, My parents actually had a property that they had when I was born in Colorado Springs and they held on to it and they've been investing it out this entire time and it was fully paid off. And I just saw the numbers and I was like, that makes perfect sense. And then my uncle had a similar thing. And then my aunt had a similar thing. And I was just, so I was kind of around the idea of investing, but not really like going out and finding properties. How I kind of fell into it was when I was a teacher in my former life, I taught special education for five years and science, social studies, third grade, the whole kit and caboodle in elementary school. I bought my first property when I was 23. I did absolutely nothing for like a year and a half. I didn't eat out. I didn't go anywhere. All I did was save every single penny I had. And I bought my first home. And with that, uh, fast forward a couple years, I was ready for the next property. And at that point, I was like, do I sell this one? Do I not sell this one? And it just kind of seemed natural to rent it out and buy the next one. And then a couple years later, I was like, why don't I do that again? And so then what ended up happening was I kind of accidentally started collecting properties to then leverage as my long-term retirement plan. So even if I wasn't making hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars off of it every month, which I happen to also be doing, it was somebody else paying my mortgage, someone else putting equity into my walls which whether I wanted to sell it, whether I want to live back in it later on, whatever the options were, it gave me options. And it was other people building my wealth for me passively. And so for me, that was just revolutionary. That was just, it completely allowed me to start building wealth in a way that just teaching and renting never did. So for me, it opened the doorway to be able to have a lifestyle where I could do things and still be saving up, that I could still buy a house in Hawaii and travel and go and see the places that I'd like to see. So for me, investing made sense because I had pathways that I saw when I was young. So now I tell my clients, even to my own detriment, I'll lose sales this way saying, guys, hold on to that first house, hold on to that condo, hold on to that townhome, rent it out. Because even if you're just netting neutral and you're not even netting more money, it's making you tens of thousands of dollars. 
And so for me, that made perfect sense. And I will continue to do that just every time I want that next house, save up and then move and then rent it out and keep it going. I don't want like 30 properties or anything, like maybe four to five. And I'm like, I can retire on that. And so really investing is a secondary thing for you. Like your true passion is agency. And that is just like, hey, I know agency is income. It's not wealth, it's income. And so therefore I'm going to invest the income that I've saved into something that, hey, 20, 30, 40 years from now, I'll have way more than enough net worth and rental income to retire if I, if I choose to. Exactly. It means that even if the market crashes, even if the market goes up, no matter what happens, I'm protected because if I can still cover those mortgage payments or my rent is at least the mortgage payments, or even if it's lower, as long as I can hold on to those properties, that's building me tens of thousands of dollars of wealth. And that's a college fund later right there. Oh, I need this much money. Great. Sell a house or, oh, I can get a HELOC or, oh, I can tap into that equity. And that's what people don't understand is you don't have to start with a five bed, three bath house in the nicest part of town. Start with a condo, start with a townhome, start by building up, by starting small and then hold on to it. And even if you're working your way up by buying into that next one, you can still build equity. But at the end of the day, yeah, investment is definitely kind of secondary. It's more, I'm filling my bucket, doing things that I'm passionate about that happens to be helping humans. Yes. And I make a lot of money from it, but it's because I genuinely care about helping them even at my detriment. So it's client first at all times. Speaking of helping people, you were a teacher. So we share that in common and you were helping elementary special needs students. So tell us what that was like and how has that set you up well for what you do now? So honestly, if I had gone straight into real estate after college, I think it would have been a completely different journey. I don't think I would have landed here. The crucial pieces of teaching have to do with convince, you're literally selling children on the idea of learning. You're telling them, hey, I know you might not want to learn math right now, but it's actually going to help you. So the skills that I learned on how to manage a million things, make a million decisions in one day. I now can absolutely translate that into real estate and into lending. And when I think about all the connections I made and building relationships, those are the foundations of what I do now in lending and real estate. And so it was a natural progression because all I do now is I educate my clients, whether lending or real estate, I educate them and give them the information so that they can make the decisions. So I empower them to be in the driver's seat. And that's the same thing I did when I was a teacher. So it was a very natural progression for me. And honestly, I miss it every day. I genuinely do, which is why I actually tutor on the side because I miss the, the light in their eyes when they figured out something, when they're like, no, I am a mathematician. Like I do want to become a scientist or I absolutely love this. And so it's still a passion of mine. I just have to get it met. <laughs> I just have to get it met in a different way with tutoring. Totally. It's so interesting because people will ask me that a lot too. Like, do you ever want to go back to teaching? And it's like, well, it depends. Like I love the kids, right? But the, the, the people that I serve now pay me to be there. They don't, I don't have to sell them on the idea of being there. 
What would you say from an enjoyment level is, how would you compare the two? Honestly, it's apples and oranges. I absolutely love both. I genuinely do. I wake up. I love what I do. I work. (laughs) I used to say I work half as much as a real estate agent and I make twice as much. But now that's not exactly true. I work similar insane hours now that I'm doing like four jobs in two states. So can't quite say that anymore. But the time that I invested in teaching, I will never regret. I did absolutely work 90, 100 hour weeks. I loved it. I loved the students. I loved the parents. I honestly loved my coworkers. The issue came down to we would have a regime change. New principal would come in and they would say it's all about test scores. And I was like, no, 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 we're teaching whole humans here. We're not just teaching to the test. And I genuinely think that what you do in life and who you choose to be around and it all has to be about fit. So what's great for me is not going to be a great fit for you. Who I choose as my life partner isn't going to be somebody you necessarily want. And so at the end of the day, you have to find fit. And with the teaching I absolutely, it was like nine out of 10. It was so close. It was like right there, but it was the admin piece and we just didn't have alignment. And my first principal, he cared so much about the students and he let me do STEM club after school and all of these amazing programs and Legos and coding classes for kids and just really developing a whole human. And that fulfilled me as a human. But I also didn't make nearly enough money to be doing the kind of life, living the kind of life I wanted to live. And I wanted to retire young. And unfortunately, teaching wasn't that pathway. And so I looked for a different fit. And when I came across real estate, what's funny was, like I said, I was buying my own house and I was doing the agent's job. So I was finding everything. I was like, no, it's not worth that. Yes, it's worth this. And so I knew more about the market than they did. And I was like, oh, sign number one. And then my parents ended up wanting to buy a lot and build a house in the Springs. And I was still a teacher at the time. I found the lot. I made the plan with the builder. I designed everything. And I was like, hey, like, you're kind of good at this. And ironically, we're actually going to be selling that beautiful house. So keep your eyes peeled and make that. But it was really just, it made sense. The fit was there. So in terms of fulfillment, I still do classes. I do seminars. I do first time home buyer classes. And like I said, I tutor. So I get that teaching need met of being able to bring up other humans by giving them information and empowering them. But I also get to go and travel. Like I got to go to South Africa for a month with my boyfriend to visit his family. I got to go to Hawaii for four weeks just because I wanted to hang out with my grandma and my family and my cousins. And so this life fulfills me in a way where I can live the life I want to and go where I want to while also helping other humans with the biggest purchase of their life. So it does both. Yeah. And so you describe teaching as 90%. Is real estate a hundred percent? I think right now burning all engines all at once, like I am going 110% on four different fronts in two different states, that's not 10 out of 10 for me. So eventually I do want to have kiddos. I do want to have a family. And this balance right now would not work for that. So what I'm trying to do is go very, very hard now, ramp up hard in the next few years now to establish those relationships, to establish 
all of the humans that will then continue to bring me business because they know I do right by them. And so once I can get that established, then it'll be more like 10 out of 10 where I can actually work 40 hours a week and have more balance because right now I'm, I'm full throttle and that's not sustainable long period. So I would like for it to be 10 out of 10 the hours need to come back to something a little more reasonable. But when you're establishing things, you have to go hard for them and you have to make those sacrifices or you can't enjoy casually doing things unless you have passive income. Yeah. So talk to me about what your day looks like. I mean, if you're working 80 hours, 90 hours a week, that's what, 15 hour days, something something like this. Um, so what is, what is, how many hours are you working a day and how, how is that broken out? So currently, <laughs> it's very seasonal. I'll put it that way. Uh, winter time, uh, there could be a week or two where I'll just make some phone calls, send out some cards, um, meet with some cl new clients, establish more relationships with realtors. But in springtime, where I have four listings that are going to be going live in the next month, when I have four active, six active buyers, like that looks very different. So. I'll wake up depending on the day. If I have something early in the morning, I'll set my alarm. Some days I'm just like, I need to recharge. And then once I do wake up, respond to all the emails, negotiate anything that needs to be negotiated on the real estate side, uh, connect with uh, my teams. So that's one way that I stay sane is that I have uh, an amazing team on my lending side, which is weird that they're out of Hawaii actually, but I'm licensed here. So uh, they're on different time zones than me. So they might have been sending me emails at five o'clock Hawaii time. So I'm going to be getting them the next day. And they're phenomenal. So I have a loan officer assistant, Janine, who's amazing. My mentor in Hawaii is amazing. Cheryl. So they will be, I'll touch in base with them with all of my loan situation. Then I'll touch base with my team situation in Colorado. And that's, oh, hey, we're going to have a co-listing coming up. Hey, I have a buyer who's shopping on in Greeley and you're my Greeley gal can you go and take care of them and then it's catching up with all of the human like updating people on their loans updating people on the market it's making phone calls um doing showings weekends I'm also working so thankfully I don't work 15 hour days all the time it's just I also work weekends so I'm doing open houses I'm visiting with realtors I'm it it really it's just putting the the relationships I'm putting, I'm investing into my relationships. So maybe that's grabbing lunch with a realtor, grabbing coffee with a new client, um, showing them around a neighborhood, doing a video tour for my out of state buyers. So it's really just actively putting, it's watering what I currently have while also planting seeds for the future. Because in the, in both industries, if you stop planting seeds, that means a year from now, your business is done regardless of market conditions. It's all about relationships because I'm 80% repeat referral at this point, which is insane this early in my career, which means I don't have to be paying for ads. I don't have to be generating new business because my humans are the ones going out saying, oh my gosh, Kahir was amazing. She went to bat for me. She did everything. She got me seller concessions. She even gave me some of her money just to make it work. So when you bend over backwards and you really take care of the humans in your life, they go and become the best ads you could ever pay for. So for me, my day is watering, planting seeds, 
and trying to take care of myself and my dogs. <laughs> right. How much of your time is spent growing the amount of sales that you have through those types of relationships? How much is looking for team members to, to create the 40 hour work week? So thankfully I'm a member of core team uh, who's led by Kate Swenson, who's literally incredible with home smart. And she does an exceptional job pretty much saying how we want to structure things go nuts. So if I want to say, Hey, I have a listing coming up in the Springs. Does somebody want to partner with me on that? And we each take 50 50 and you can do this and I can do that. We absolutely can. If I'm just like, Hey, I just can't do that one showing. Cause I can't be in two places at once. Here's some cash. They're like, yep, that works. So I think at the end of the day, it's really, again, seasonal. So right now I'm just going full throttle on all of the listings, all of the buyers getting pre-qualified. I'm going full throttle on the active people. And then when I have like a spare hour or two, I'll go back through my network and say, oh, that's right. Like this person, blah, 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 shoot them a text, give them a phone call. So I would say during winter time is more of like developing those relationships, figuring out who wants to buy and sell. And then spring and summer is just full throttle on the hottest time in the market. Serve, serve, serve at that point. Yep. Yeah. So when you think about it, because you obviously have the ability to be as busy as you want to be to sell as many houses and do as many loans as you want. How do you think about the time horizon? How long do you want to do this before family starts to play in? I think for me, it's give it another two years, like two solid years of building those relationships because I'm still relatively new to the loan side. And I genuinely want to accelerate at a sustainable rate. Like if I had 40 agents send me a hundred leads today. I can't do that by myself. So I would have to go and grow. I don't want to grow at a rate that is unsustainable. So for me right now, it's about sustainable growth and two years of going full throttle where I'm putting in all these extra hours is really enough time where I've done dozens of deals with these agents and they know they can trust me where I've done multiple deals with some people who are buying and then selling every two years and leveling up to their next house. So I think on the real estate side, I'm very established. All my clients who've used me have continued to use me. Um, it's the lending side that I'm kind of ramping up very hard, very fast right now. And that needs another year or two to really solidify those partnerships with agents because they're the ones bringing the loans to me. And then what's great is when I'm in Hawaii, I can refer out my Colorado business to Colorado agents. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship that most lenders can't offer their agents, which is another reason a lot of agents very quickly have started using me because I'm like, hey, I'm going to be spending 80% of my time in Hawaii. That means you're going to be getting 80% of my business. So it's a much better value proposition. But then once I'm taking care of a tiny screaming human, my ability to be ramping up is not gonna happen and that's realistic, but then I can refer out my real estate and do at home stuff such as the lending. So I've really set up this life to be flexible with what I need from it. And that only happens with partnerships. Um, that only happens with building and investing into those relationships so that I'm not doing it by myself because I there's only so many days <laughs> in a week and you need to trust and invest in the humans around you. So two years. Cool. What is the craziest real estate transaction you've had so far? 
So what's funny is starting with like the whole teaching thing, my very first year teaching, I did kinder first and fourth uh, special ed and I did second grade science, all of that, my very first year teaching. And I had no experience teaching. I (laughs) was very much in over my head and there was actual cars being set on fire by students. So when you have literal things on fire and like desks being thrown in elementary school, and that's just your norm because I taught in Montbello. <laughs> and that's just your norm. Everything in real estate seems kind of tame and very chill. And people are always like, why aren't you panicking right now? Like the buyers might terminate. I'm like, at the end of the day, nothing's on fire. Everyone's okay. We'll get this home sold. We'll get this home bought. It's really going to be okay. But the most fun one that I had was... <laughs> Every year I go out with my family to a camping trip in the middle of the summer, which is, of course, the busiest time period. And we go and stay in an island in Utah surrounded by water in Flaming Gorge. And it's only accessible by boat and it has zero cell service, which, of course, in real estate, not the best. So we're driving 12 hours to get to Utah. One of my teacher friends was like, hey, we're going to buy a house. And I was like, okay, we can do this. So we pull over on the side of the road. I'm on my laptop on a hotspot. I set up everything. I set up the showing. I set her up with a partner on my team. Um, We get to the boat. We boat out there. I then take the canoe and I canoe out to the middle of the reservoir. I get back on my laptop. I never saw her. I never saw the house we went under contract on. She uh, was doing a cash offer. And I negotiated with the selling agent on the phone in the middle of a reservoir because that's the only place there was reception. And we got under contract. Everything was amazing. We did the inspection. We did all of it. I talked to the title company, got everything set up, set up all of the paperwork, sent her everything from the middle of the reservoir. Next day, boat back out, finish everything else. And nine days later, she gets the key to her home, closes. Never saw her, never saw the house. Paycheck arrives in my mail two days after that. Like it was the weirdest transaction where (laughs) I made $11,000 and didn't do like, obviously I did something for it, but never seeing them, never seeing the house was the weirdest one and the craziest way I made money in two weeks with me in the canoe in the middle of the reservoir on my laptop. So crazy. Um, that's, that's one of the greatest fate. things. Exactly. That's one of the greatest things about this business is you could do deals on vacation, right? It's one of the worst things about this business too, is sometimes you have to do deals on vacation. Um, mm-hmm. What is your vision for the next 12 to 18 months for your life and business? Oh, you know, people just casually calling me out of the blue saying, oh, I got to sell another million dollar <laughs> house. All right. Got to do that again. No, realistically, I see it continuing at the same pace, if not a little bit faster. Real estate has been ridiculously solid. I'll probably honestly do double the business I did two years ago this year because already the second quarter, it's just so many people want to move and sell and buy. So on the real estate side, I'll definitely be ramping up and being consistent on the lending side. I would like to do 24 loans in the next couple months, and then I will be a senior loan officer. Mm. And after that, I think it's just continuing to foster those relationships with the realtors 
So that way I'm their go-to lender for absolutely everything. They know I'll do right by their clients. I know all the down payment assistance programs. I know the construction loans. I know everything they need to help their clients and at the best rates. And so at the end of the day, I would like to kind of transition my business from like 80% real estate and 20% lending. I'd like to start referring that out and become 90% lending, which I can do from home. So I think that's kind of the transition I'd like to see where I can still make money through referrals with real estate, but then in exchange, I'm getting their lending business, which I can do from home. So I don't have to go and put my sign in the yard and do open houses. And I don't have to go and show houses. Um, so at the end of the day, that's kind of where I see it going is another probably double or triple diamond this year on the real estate side, probably single diamond in Hawaii because they don't count the same states. Unfortunately, you have to do them. You have to mm. qualify separately. But I'm like, that's a good challenge. I can do diamond in both states. For sure. And then ramp up the lending side. So that's really where I see the business going. I want to offer more classes to educate other realtors because a lot of them don't know what programs exist for their buyers that you can get construction loans. So that fixer up our house that your buyer's like, ew, no, I don't want that. It's like, oh, hey, what if I can get you another 25K to renovate that? And they're like, whoa, all of a sudden that's a completely different house. So I think I want to offer, I want to transition from just being really good at what I'm doing to helping others. So maybe that might be mentoring more, that could be offering classes on real estate or lending. So I think that's really where I see the next steps is giving back and educating the rest of the industry so that we're all operating at a much more informed place. Yeah. Kaheya, thanks so much for sharing about your life, your business, your three streams of income, probably soon to be 12 and all the amazing things that you're doing. And I just love the fact that you're a teacher as well. Um, it all ties it ties it together nicely. So guys, if you're out there listening, like this is a really good thing to listen to. You could be doing multiple streams of income and serving your clients, especially if you're seeing that other lenders or other service providers are not getting the job done. You could fill in those gaps and make extra money and do a better job for your clients. So write down something you learned from today's episode, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable. Because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll catch you on the next episode.